0: Morning, church. Thanks for joining us in person. I I know there's still a pandemic going on, and I I know there's sickness, and I know some people still want to stay at home, and I'm okay with that. I want you to know that, but thanks for being here. I'm so thankful for technology, the live stream we have, and people can join us, not just from Belton Temple, but from other states, from other countries. It's just amazing how what we're doing goes to so many places. So thanks for joining us um, today. I want to talk to you just a little bit about Nehemiah. Nehemiah. About 16 books into the Old Testament, you find the book of Nehemiah. It's a book about rebuilding. It's a book about engaging people. It's a book about coming together to do God's work. Nehemiah is about God's people in Babylonian exile. They've been defeated. They've been carried off. They've been exiled to Babylon. And now they're returning to their homes. Now they're returning to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has been devastated. Jerusalem has been wiped out. The walls around the city are shattered. The walls around the city are all but gone. And Nehemiah comes in and in 52 days, in 52 days, they rebuild the walls. But not without opposition. Opposition from without, opposition from within in fact, any time you're doing God's work, any time you're doing God's work, there's always going to be opposition. And we read about one of those encounters in Nehemiah chapter six. It says, "When word came that Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies—there's the opposition—that I had rebuilt a wall, and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates." Sanballat and Geshep sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in chapter 6. The work's almost complete. I mean, all they have to do is set the doors, and the work is complete. It's almost ribbon-cutting time to say that this project is finished. We are really on the downward stretch, and the enemy, the opposition, comes in and comes knocking, and Nehemiah knows why the enemy is there. Nehemiah knows why the opposition is there. He says, They were scheming to harm me. They were scheming to harm me. They know if they can distract Nehemiah, maybe the work won't get finished. At least it will slow down. And here's what we read. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Their plan was to pull Nehemiah off the project, get Nehemiah away from all of his supporters, probably kill Nehemiah. So that the leader is out of the picture. Why? Because you get Nehemiah out of the picture and the work won't get done. But here's what I want you to see. Nehemiah knew what God wanted him to do. Nehemiah was doing God's work. He knew the importance of God's work. And he didn't have time for a meeting. And he didn't have time for distraction. And so here's what he says. So I, Nehemiah, I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm doing a great work and i cannot come down four times they sent me the same message and four times i gave them the same answer i'm doing a great work and i cannot come down i want you to say that i'm doing a and i So here's what's going on i want you to say that in your marriage i'm doing a great work and i cannot come down I want you to say that raising your kids. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I want you to say that when you go to work. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I want you to say that in whatever you're doing to know that you're doing God's work. This describes how we feel about the work at Belton. This describes what we're doing here. We're doing a great work and we cannot come down. That's why we've been telling you about our new vision statement. Love God. Love others. Make disciples. We're doing a good work, and we cannot come down. We're doing a good work, and we cannot come down. Four times they sent that message to Nehemiah. Four times he responded and said, I'm doing a good work, and I cannot come down. Why? Because Nehemiah was focused. Nehemiah had a vision as to what God wanted him to do, and he was going to stay on that vision, just like our vision here. Love God. Love others. Make disciples. We're doing a good work and we cannot come down. Now, for three weeks now, we've been telling you our journey. We're being open, transparent. We've been talking about where we've been two weeks ago. How did we get here? We explained that to you. If you weren't here two weeks ago, you can go online and listen to that. One week ago, we talked about where are we now, decisions that are being made right now. We're being very open and transparent. We've been having discussions in the auditorium class. Um, to tell you, answer your questions and to tell you what's going on. And today I want to tell you where we're going. Okay? This is where we're going. Our goal is not just to go through the motions and, and do church. Our goal is to help people grow in their faith and grow in their maturity. We want to help people find Jesus. And we want to help people discover a real faith in Him that impacts every aspect of their life, which leads us back to, that's why we have this vision statement. Love God. Love others. How how do we do that? How do we love God? How do we love others? How do we make disciples? Well, that's what we've been describing the last two weeks and today. So, today, where are we going as a church? Where are we going in the next four or five years? And again, really the emphasis of today's message is this. Through two congregational church health assessments, we did one in 2016, we did one in 2018. We just finished one, and Don Hebbard will be here on January 9 to tell us what your voice said on the one we just completed. But the lowest area your voice has clearly stated, clearly stated our lowest scoring area on the first one and on the second one is we need volunteers. The category easy to recruit and keep volunteers is our lowest scoring, and that's what your voice has said. We need volunteers. We need you to take ownership in who we are. We need you to take ownership in this church. How do we do that? By getting involved. So here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. He said, we are God's workmanship, created to do good works in Christ Jesus, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul says, before you were even born... God knew in advance, God planned in advance what He wanted you to do with your life. And God wants us to love Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love others and go. As you are going, go. Go make disciples. That's the big umbrella. We're going to love God. We're going to love others. Everybody falls under that umbrella and we're going to make disciples, but then God gets specific. Here's what we read in 1 Peter 4. Each one, I'm pretty sure my English teacher would say, that covers everybody in the auditorium. Each one, all of us, should use whatever gift. That's right, you have a gift. I've talked to people for 40 years. Richie, I don't have a gift. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has been gifted by God. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve God others. God wants us to serve others. There are a lot of people who want to serve God. There are even more people who don't want to serve others. That's not God's plan. God's plan is not just serve God. God wants us to serve each other. God's purpose for you is to serve. God's purpose for me is to serve. In fact, God's purpose for His own Son is to serve. Even the Son of Man Did not come to be served, but to serve. That was God's purpose. I love these quotes by Rick Warren. He says, you were made to contribute, not just to consume. I read a lot of articles about how churches just become a consumer mentality. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Do what I want, do what I want, do what I want. No, we don't want to have a consumer mentality. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. So... That tells me, the Bible tells me, that every Christian is a minister. Every Christ follower is called to serve. Every Christ follower needs to serve in some capacity because God has gifted us. But I want you to notice the why. Here's the why. Back to 1 Peter 4. God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that... That's the why. Why would God do that? So that... Why have you been gifted? So that, so that God's generosity can flow through you. That's why we serve. That's why we get involved. That's why we use our spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity, so that the reason we serve, the reason we use our spiritual gifts, the reason we serve others, the reason we get involved is so that. God's generosity can flow through us. Because when we serve, people see God. God uses our gifts so people see Him. So if we're not using our gifts, people can't see God. So that when we serve people, we show people God, and we put God on display, and God gets the glory. I love the J.B. Phillips translation. Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each of you, as faithful dispensers of the magnificently varied grace of God. Faithful dispensers. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about us being faithful dispensers and how you can do that. So where are we heading? What does our future look like? Where are we going to be in the next four or five years? So let me put this slide up and I'm going to break this down. We want to be a church that looks like our community. We want to be a church of great faith, living great faith. We want to be a church with a vibrant children's ministry. We want to be a church with an active youth ministry. We want to be a church that engages in outreach. We want to be a church that loves to worship. We want to be a church where people want to belong. We want to be a church that's connected. Now let me break those down just a little bit. I'll just leave those up there. We want to be a church that looks like our community. We need to look more like our community. Not act like our community, look like our community. Being a healthy church means when people walk in our doors, they see people um, of their age, they see people of their ethnicity, they see people of their gender, they see people of their economic status, because that's what our community looks like, and we want to be a church that looks like our community. We want to be a church of great faith that lives great faith. not suggesting we haven't been, not suggesting that we are or are not, We want to be a church where God does great things because He sees great faith. At times, Jesus couldn't do miracles because of the lack of faith. When God sees faith, God does great things. And God does great things when He sees great faith. So what does great faith look like? Well, great faith is not interested in... Proving people right or wrong. Great faith's not interested in passing judgment on other people. It's about loving people and ministering to people and showing people love. We want to be a church that has a vibrant children's ministry. What does that look like? Again, our lowest scoring area has to do with volunteers. So this means we never have a shortage of volunteers. We have more than enough volunteers. We're intentional about raising up the next generation. We want to be a church that has an active youth ministry. A youth ministry that is active in our community, active in sharing their faith. A youth ministry that's known in our community as a place where young people want to be involved. We want to be a church that engages in outreach. Engaged financially in outreach. Engaged by sending out people to do outreach and mission work. Engaged by regularly sending out youth regularly sending out our adults. A church that sees the Belt and Temple area as our mission field. A church that sees local schools as an outreach mission field. A church that sees our local community, local organizations as a mission field. A church that ministers to the needs of the less fortunate. A church that ministers to the marginalized in our community. That's a church that engages in outreach. We want to be a church that loves to worship. Not just a church that gathers to worship, but a church that gathers because they love to worship. A church where worship is uplifting and encouraging. A church that expands to two or three or four different times of worship because we're out of room, because people so want to be here to worship. We want to be a church where people want to belong. Not just because of the name on the sign, but because of who we are, because This is a church where people want to belong because of the love we have and the relationships that we have and the connections they make here and through our small groups because of the faith they see, because of the great things that they see God doing through us. And we want to be a church that is connected, connected, connected with our community, connected and engaged in the world and engaged in the work here at the Belton Church, connected with one another in small groups. So how do we get there? how do we become that church if there's anything you need to hear from today if there's anything you should have heard the past 3 weeks this this is this is our vision right here we want to be a church where members are active where members are active. Active in the work here at the Belton Church, active in our community, active in the world. This is our call to action. This is where we want to be. It's a call to action to get involved. It's a call to action to take ownership. Again, sorry, I'm going to keep saying our lowest scores are we need more people to get get engaged and to volunteer. So how do we change that? Well, None of this can be done by one person, or by a few people, or a handful of people. It's going to take all of us. Why should you serve? Why should you get involved? Why should you help volunteer? Why should you serve in the community? Because research shows that serving is a catalyst for growing your faith. If you want to grow your faith, you serve. You get outside of yourself and you serve someone else. Serving benefits your spiritual maturity. Serving benefits your faith. Serving gets you out of your comfort zone. Serving forces you to trust God outside of your comfort zone. Serving makes your faith bigger. In fact, I read this. One of the beliefs that has been confirmed by science is this. Helping others can make you healthier. Wow. So where are we heading? Where do we want to be in four years? We want to be a church where every member is actively serving in some way. We're not going to tell you what way. We just want to encourage you to get involved. So if you want to change this church, we need you to serve. If you want to see this church grow, we need you to serve. If you want to see this church be more engaged in the community, we need you to serve. I don't know if you get or read the Christian Chronicle... They had an article in the September issue, and it was in reference to Hurricane Ida down in Louisiana. It said, weeks after the storm, Churches of Christ helped those in need. One minister said, when we survived Hurricane Katrina, we said we we can survive anything. One church assessed the needs of their community. They became a hub for supply distribution. They partnered with other churches. That same minister, you can go read the article, said, the most impactful thing is watching churches serve the community. And I love this quote. He said, not every congregation is serving the exact same way right now. But everybody is serving. That's our vision for this church. We want everybody to serve. We envision the Belton Church as being one where every member is serving. That's what we envision for this church. We want to encourage you to serve. Why? Because we're doing a great work. And we cannot come down. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop for the disruptions. So how do you get involved? How do you get connected? So... We keep talking to you about this QR code on the back of the pew in front of you. So if you hold your phone up to that, you're going to see this. OpenBeltonChurch.com And there's a lot of things you can do when you get there. One of the things you can see is fill out an involvement form. So you can look at all the opportunities to serve and you can fill out that involvement form and submit your information. And that's one way you can get involved. Another way is you can go to the connection table right back here, and we've got some printed copies. If you say, you know, I'm not into technology, I'm not into phones, I'm not into, I've still got my rotary dial at home. That I, I'm glad some of y'all remember that. So, one, you can go to the QR code. Two, you can go to the connection table. Three, you can talk to Holly Baldridge, our connections minister. So, those are three ways that you can serve. Listen, we want you to serve. It grows your faith. We need you to serve. It grows this church. We encourage you to serve because we want to put God on display. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to put God on display. There's four communion tables around here. And if you've not visited with us before, we've been doing this since we came back. We haven't wanted to pass the trays just because of a lot of people touching trays. If my communion folks want to start heading to the tables to serve, that'd be okay. Um, So if you are comfortable in partaking of communion, here's what I want to bring to your attention. Communion is a reminder It's a reminder that the Son of God came to this earth. It's a reminder that Jesus came to die for our sins. It's a reminder that Jesus was buried. It's a reminder that Jesus was victorious over death. It is a reminder that Jesus did all of that for us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came for us Jesus came to serve us, and we remember that today in what we call the Lord's Supper. Let's pray.